Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Good morning everyone and welcome to Think Future. My name is Chris Calabucas and once again we're coming at July from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We're talking innovation startups, the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. If you're watching on YouTube, smack that subscribe button and hit that bell so you can be notified when a new show comes online. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast service, please subscribe and please drop a note on Apple Podcasts. I'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. So this is part three of four, and who knows, I might go more, of the Minimum Viability series. And if you listen to the previous ones, you're all caught up, but if you haven't, what I'm talking about is applying the concept of an MVP, the Lean Startup MVP Minimum Viable Product, to some of the large intractable issues that we have today. Issues like education, issues like homelessness, issues like food. We all love food, right? I know I love food. I love food a little bit too much, mind you. But I think one of the reasons why I love food a little bit too much is because there's so much of it out there and it's so good and it's so delicious. And not only that, food is so cultural. It's almost impossible to get together with somebody and not have some kind of food or drink. You got a coffee, you got uh, you know, you got dinner, you got lunch, whatever. How do you socialize with individuals without eating? I think I saw something on Severance the other day on Apple TV where they were talking about the no dinner dinner party, where they had a dinner party without food because they didn't, they wanted to disconnect food from the social experience. And I thought to myself, that's kind of weird. We all connect food to the social experience. And we have, at this point in time, so many different kinds of foods available to us. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. We have the infrastructure to develop all different kinds of foods. We can mimic any kind of food. We can make the taste of any kind of food. I mean, it really threw me the other day or years ago when, <laughs> so was it Lay's Potato Chips? Lay's Potato Chips has this contest where people can submit flavors and they pick four flavors out of the submitted flavors to actually create flavors. They create flavors mapping to these winning flavors, or they pick four. And then based on the sales of the flavors, who buys the most of each of the flavors, that flavor becomes a flavor. It actually becomes a flavor. And of course, the person who invented the flavor or came up with or decided, uh, submitted the flavor, their name gets printed on the bag. And I thought, oh, fame. Anyways, so this happened a couple of years ago. Somebody had suggested Greek lamb gyro flavor. So everyone's familiar with the Greek gyro, right? It's that sandwich in a pita. So you've got the pita, you got the meat, you got lettuce, tomato. Sometimes you have some fries in there. You get some tzatziki on that. So 
You're familiar with the gyro sandwich, right? And this wasn't just any gyro sandwich. This was a lamb gyro sandwich. So they had created lamb gyro sandwich chips, lamb gyro sandwich potato chips. So I thought to myself, since I've had many lamb gyro in my time, both here in the United States and in Greece, I thought, well, I got to try these chips. I mean, I shouldn't be eating chips, but I had to try these chips. I got to see what they did to try and mimic the flavor of lamb gyro on a chip. So I take these chips and I bite into it. And oh my God, you cannot believe how they have been able to mimic it down to the smallest detail, the smallest detail. Because there's one thing about lamb gyro and lamb has got a particular type of fat, level of fat in it, because lamb is fairly fatty. And there's a particular taste to the fat of the lamb, lamb fat. And they were able to duplicate that lamb fat taste almost exactly. It made me think of Willy Wonka. You know, the Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka the um, chocolate factory where they were creating these sweets that tasted just like a turkey dinner or tasted just like blueberry pie. They tasted exactly, it tasted exactly like lamb gyro. It was Greek lamb gyro. And I thought to myself, oh my God, if they have the capability, if you've got enough food science to be able to emulate something so exactly, then wouldn't you be able to make any kind of flavor at all out of anything else? How do you take something like a Greek lamb gyro and put it into a potato chip and replicate the flavor so well I mean the science is amazing science is amazing but that's not what I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about how we are looking to change the way we eat and the way we feed ourselves because a lot of people think it's unsustainable right we can't sustain the population we have as it's growing and give them more and more food and there's still starvation and poverty all over the world so how do we do this and I think and I've talked to a number of individuals who do, they, they're making great strides to change things in the food industry. And I, I applaud them. I think that's great. But then I ask the question, what are we going to feed people? What is the minimum viable food product that a human being needs to eat in order to survive? See, we're looking at it from how can we change the current system? to get to a better system. Instead of looking at what is the end goal and delivering for that end goal, delivering the minimum viable food product for that end goal. I'll give you an example. There was a science fiction novel, and I forget the name of the author, who posited this future where everybody could walk up to a machine and get their protein bar or their their nutritional requirements met for the day. What they would do is they would go up to the machine and it would scan them, it would know who they were and it would scan them so they could figure out where they were currently. There's a device right now called Lumen, I believe, where you can blow into it and it'll turn around and tell you what your nutritional requirements are. So this is not far off. It would take your currently set nutritional requirements 
and then it would modify it based on where you were today. So if you're particularly hungry or you're missing a few electrolytes or something like that, it would modify its database a little bit for that day. And then it would generate a perfect bar of food, perfect size, perfect number of calories, perfect number of fats, perfect number of proteins, perfect number of everything. And of course, in this dystopian future, if you're one of the elite, you could have some flavorings added if you wanted to be uh, rewarded. If they wanted to reward you, they could add flavorings. And if they didn't want to reward you or they were trying to punish you, they could just give it to you plain, no flavor whatsoever. But this bar, if you ate this bar, this one bar would give you all the nutritional requirements that you needed for the entire day. It's kind of like Soylent, right? It's kind of like Ensure. It's kind of like these meal replacements that are already out there. And the problem with these meal replacements that are already out there is that they're specific to a certain type of demographic or a specific type of issue or whatever, but nobody, nothing has really come into play as the minimum viable food product that a human being needs in order to survive. Now, some of these purport to say that that's what they are, but how do you factor in the social aspects of eating? I mean, what do you all sit down at the table and this thing spits out four or five different bars with your name on it so you know which bar is yours and you all chow down at the same time? No, we gotta make the food appealing. We have to make it food-like instead of it being a bar. So we have to figure out what do we need to do Again, minimum viability. What's the least amount of food we need to eat? What does the food need to look like? What does it need to be shaped like? What does it need to smell like? And if we have the ability to create lamb gyro chips that are so accurate that they even re replicate that little bit of fatty lamb taste in the undertone of after you eat it, then we should be way further along in developing a minimum viable food stuff that we can then package and get on the shelf for people who just want nutrition. They just want to eat. And then we can expand that into other things. Maybe we can make a turkey loaf that tastes and smells and looks just like turkey. But we can make it nutritionally balanced so I can sit down and eat a turkey loaf or a sandwich and get my nutritional balance that way. What is the minimum viable food? I think we're closer to minimum viable food than we are to a minimum viable domicile or a minimum viable education. Because there are companies right now that do meal replacements and those meal replacements are getting closer and closer and closer to being minimum viable food. We just need more research and more eating in that space. That's it for me for today. See you next time. And until then, don't forget to think future.